Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. So we went down with him and, and then lived in Manchester. And, you know, my kid started primary school there, and he's literally wearing the British um, school uniform. It was hilarious with a tie and everything. And he had an accent, and he was talking, Yeah, can we go to the park and throw it in the bin? And I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. So it was just- We got to move home. Seriously. He lost yeah. it two weeks after coming home. He lost it, but it was hilarious. He's like, but, hey, uh, jag off. Like, yeah. he's just, like, he's just, now he's talking like yeah. a redneck Alberta. Like me. Probably. Apparently like me. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down. And I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. All right, welcome to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Knucks, we got a guest today that I played with numerous times. Uh, in college, actually, yeah. Believe it or not, he played college hockey, let, al- let alone he went to college. Um, and I got a chance to play with him uh, sometime in our pro career. He's a good friend of mine, too, Jay Rosehill. Welcome. What is up, you guys? I mean, you got two guys here that are collegiate athletes with you, Stapes. Don't forget about that. You're not the only one. No. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I uh, Now, Rosie, was that, uh, you know, growing up, was that the plan? Like, how'd you get into hockey? And then was college the route you wanted to go the whole time? No, fuck. I didn't know the difference between anything, man. I just... I. <laughs> I played because everybody played here in a small town in Alberta. My brother played. He's older than me. So obviously I did. And as we started going up the ranks and shit and people are talking about the dub and the dub draft and my parents were just clueless to it all. So we were learning as, as we went. And, uh, you know, I got, I was playing midget AAA when I was 16. So things were starting to get serious and I got listed with Seattle, um, in the WHL and, to be honest with you, I wanted to, I had been to Red Deer's camp and had success. I wanted to play in Red Deer close to home. Um, and then to get listed with Seattle, I was just scared shitless of like going to the States at 16, 17 years old, fucking moving away from my hometown, which is my roots were all there. And it's pretty, pretty tight knit group in, in this area. So I just didn't want to go down there. And then I saw other kids from town go to the dub, get turned into a meathead. And then they're working for the you know, driving a truck when they're 19 or 20 because she didn't work out. And I was like, fuck that. I want to give myself the most opportunity. And I wasn't like, uh, I started to like develop around that 16, 17, 18 and stand out. So I was like, shit, I'm just kind of blooming. I want to give myself as much time as possible. So I went down to Minnesota and gave myself a the longer, longer route to develop and had to play with a meathead like you and listen to all your antics for a couple Meathead like me, Nux. This guy almost was the was the reason of like 30 hockey players dying basically <laughs> we had a hockey house we were, i guess the short stories like what in rosie i'm not wait i don't think we ever talked about this but he almost burned the place down well do you remember no i'm serious he he lit he lit a what'd you do light a phone book on fire you remember like those old school phone books and then ran and the rest of us were like they had to put this thing out and i we i you know i just remember brosie another guy on our team nux was like he i don't know where he got this but he had this huge enlarged like diaper you remember and he wore it it's Ooh. all he wore with bro tyler bros oh fuck he i remember a, that yeah well you because you ran away and you almost burned the house down of course you don't remember <laughs> no but we had to growing yeah, up must have been the mushroom night tim <laughs> yeah no it wasn't but growing up from the small town everyone's got kind of got a wraps on you and that was the first time i was just free as a bird and no one watching me living on my own. I played junior in, in my hometown, lived at home. So I was that year when we, when I first got to college, <laughs> I was free as hell. And God, we partied and you guys, man, like not you, but the class ahead of you, all those seniors, they partied so freaking hard and through yeah. these massive shakers and there's girls everywhere and kegs and beer. And I was just getting loaded, having a blast. And I remember it was just, I think the girl I was trying to wheel was cold or something. So I, built a fire in the middle of the living room for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man that's college for you yeah, yeah. And, and listen growing up in alberta and before i guess the minnesota experience looking what shocked me and i've seen a lot we've had a lot of guys on here that played in the nhl and they weren't fucking drafted we just had brian screwland on he had a fucking wonderful career you know fastest overtime goal in the history of the game in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he was never drafted. And I look at 
your minor hockey career with the you know AAA, then the Olds Grizzlies, right? In the Alberta Junior Hockey League, like the BC Junior Hockey League now is such a feeder system for college. Yeah. Were you fucking shocked when you got drafted out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League? Because not a lot of kids do. Yeah. Right? I think there's only uh, I think there's only a couple guys drafted out of there per year. If one came out or two, that was that was pretty good. And uh, I was not like a standout superstar of, of that league by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I just had a style of play where I just didn't give a fuck. Like I ran around and loved to hit yeah. guys. And I wasn't like a big fighter guy, but I just loved to hit and run guys. And I was a defenseman at the time. And I'd, I'd wheel the net and gain the red line and dump it and keep chasing my own dump. And would just make a lot of noise in that sense and I, I think the scouts just were just like this we love this shit right around that yeah. turn of the turn of the century there 2000 era and i got listed with central scouting there in my draft year and that was the first time i ever really knew of anything someone just showed me the hockey news and my name was on it for north american skaters and like my heart sunk and i was like what i'm like they're watching like they're noticing i'm like this is insane and then it was it was nice because it was like confirmation of I didn't need to go to the dub. See, if they're watching, they're here. They, there's scouts everywhere. If you do something they like, they will see it. And uh, as that year went on, um, a couple scouts would come to watch me. I was informed about, and they I knew through the grapevine that they loved it when I hit and ran around and wasn't you know would just run around is what we called it. And I was more concerned about the biggest hit I could that I could make. Yeah, well, you caught someone's attention for sure, right? Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's funny. I got drafted out of college Yeah. Uh, last year, the 20-year-old draft. And you were drafted 227. I was drafted 231. Yeah. I was, and, and like, I ran around in college, you know, back for a game that, yeah, it was physical, but no fight and none of that shit, but I ran around. So yeah. I ended up getting drafted. You get, you get that opportunity. So you go to Duluth, you're there every year. With crazy Tim, fucking crazy Tim. <laughs> hey, we're all and, fighters in the room here, right? So we yeah. all got something in common, anyway. <laughs> and and Tampa Bay, do you go to camp with Tampa Bay, and then you end up going to Johnstown? What what happened there? I'm curious. Yeah, so we had like uh, that year we had like Traverse City Prospect Camp. I kind of got the uh, understanding of how things work with camps and stuff, and then um, went to camp, uh, main camp, and everything. And I mean, Vinny LeCavalier and uh, you know Dave Anderchuk are there, and Marty St. Louis and Brad Richards, and they had just won the cup after uh, the year they drafted me. And so I kind of got that feeling. And then after I left college, after one year, I wanted to play pro. Um, I went and played in the American League for the majority of the year under their system. And um, I think at the end of the year, we didn't make playoffs. So I went down to Johnstown and played four, six games or something like that. And I wasn't happy to leave college early and have time in the coast. Like the point was, if you're going to leave college early, you should be at least in the American Hockey League. But they were pretty horny about getting their defensemen developed and playing their system. And the downfall of it was they the whole system changed after that 2005 lockout, yeah. 2004 lockout, sorry, and or whatever it was. And the whole system changed, obstruction, all of Tampa Bay's system didn't apply anymore. So everyone kind of struggled and everyone they had drafted needed to adapt. And all they drafted was big, tall D-man. And it was just kind of a, kind of a shit show. And um, I had success my first year and got called up on paper so i'm a 20 year old defenseman playing in springfield i get a call from the trainer that says hey you're getting called up to tampa um and you're gonna play in montreal tomorrow that's what i've been told so i'm at the rink packing your shit packing overnight bag i just thought i'd do you a service and give you a heads up to let you know so i'm waiting 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 no call comes i'm like what the fuck i go to the rink in the morning and i'm like what happened dude and he goes i don't know i got a last minute call that said nikolai habibulin's visa didn't come through or there's a problem with their visa so they had to call up a goalie and then they're at their 50 contract <laughs> limit or some shit so Ugh. they they went to montreal to play and they called up our goalie and he came back the next week said all of my room service shit and my key card and everything said jay rosehill on it 
So I'm like, fuck, I was like that close to getting called up. And I was like, fucking wow. Russians. Yeah, Crazy fuck. fucking Russians. Like, yeah, I'd be fucking get your bowling. paperwork done for Christ's sake. It cost <laughs> me a game in the National League. But um, personally, I don't know if I was ready to do that when I was 20 as a defenseman. I just wasn't ready. I don't know how that would have gone if you threw me in the show at that age. But um, anyway, that year was good. I was a black ace for the playoffs and um, was in Tampa skating and staying ready and it looked so close and then my second year I just had a different coach come in Steve Sterling came in to coach the American Hockey League and he just fucking hated me he just he just told me to my face <laughs> you can't play in this league I yeah. don't want the puck on your stick I want you to put oh, it in the stand you. that's a real put piece it, of shit. put it in the bench if it's on your stick put it in the bench or in the stands I won't give you trouble just get it off your stick I don't want to see it on your stick was his advice to this 21 year old it fucking ruined That's me, That's a man. fucking ugly American, yeah. Steve Sir. And now we, we have that rule. You can't shoot the puck out of the out of your own. So that's because of Rosie. He's 50, 50 times a game, he just shot it in the fucking stands. But at least I'll be remembered for something. The Rosie yeah. rule. The Rosie rule, yeah. Don't no. go high off the glass. Shoot it in right. section 300. That's forget forget the window and out. Put it up in the nosebleeds. Oh, and change. God damn. That's oh, how man. it was, dude. And that's my biggest thing about hockey is looking back. And I mean, I don't know why fucking Steve Sterling would do that. He was like 60 some years old. He seemed so tired and frazzled. The team was shitty. He just didn't even want to be there. And and he would just talk down to us like we were such Ugh. fucking losers. And it kind of, it really jaded me on hockey for a long time because mm -hmm. I would grip my fucking stick and I would have this, this laser beam from my mind thinking about right to his eyeballs. And every time I touched the puck, I was just thinking about him going, just waiting to fucking give it to me. And you're trying to make something out of the few minutes that he gives you um, a, a night. And it was just like, fuck, last year I'm like in the show almost. And now this year, I'm a miles away. He sent me down, and I was just a million miles away, man. And then, so I was down on the coast for a, two games I played, and then they called me back up and said, you're playing forward. We played Binghamton <laughs> last night, and they kicked the shit out of us. And I used to play forward up until midget, so I was like, okay, I'll go play forward, anything to not be in the coast. So then that was the time where I just started uh, – just started playing forward, running defensemen, getting in the goalies' faces, and then I'd have to fight, and I'd have to fight more. And then I fought a little bit more, so then the other team's tough guy is like, oh, I'm going to go after this guy because he's willing to fight. And all of a sudden, I'm fighting heavies, and all of a sudden, I'm fighting 25, 35 times in a season, and it's like, holy fuck. And once I put the hammer down with that stuff, I was like, fuck it, fuck Steve Sterling, fuck Tampa. I just want to get the hell out of here. And the only way I can do it with these five minutes a night that he's giving me is just to make a lot of noise by running around like a maniac and fighting anybody who fucking looks at me sideways. And I did that and made a reputation for myself. And then that's how I got out of Tampa's organization. They, uh, Brian Burke traded for me and I got my rights went to Tampa. And that's when I got to finish out that season on the Marlies. And that's where I ran into you Stapes and you were kind of in the yep. same boat getting signed. Yeah, by I was them like, Hey man, I'm year. fighting it too, dude. I was, I, you know, I'm fighting here too. Just <laughs> power play. <laughs> No. Stapes' classic line was he got to shower with the Leafs once. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, right? I got to shower with the boys, you know? Speaking of the Leafs, what was uh, I, I? I just came across, you got to tell that story quick about, like, uh, you know, funny stories of fighting uh, with about Brad May. Oh, yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I got a, a Mayday story, too, I'll tell you after. Well, that Go guy's ahead. a beauty, I learned. Like, oh, he is. God's given just the kindest guy, nicest guy in the world. And, yeah, anyway, I knew of – He is. He's such a good dude. And <laughs> he's old, no, he's old school, tough guy. Like, those guys that I crossed paths with when I was on my way in and they were on their way out, I always loved to say I got to play against them or fight him or, you know what I mean? It's, it was really cool because so much respect to those guys that played in that era when it was just so goddamn tough. And I was trying to make the team with the Leafs that season. I'd signed a two-year deal with them. Um, so go to training camp. And, I mean, I think there's a legit shot I, I get on the big club. So I'm trying to make it. So, I mean, I'm fighting everyone in preseason and whatnot. And we go to Detroit, Joe Lewis Arena. And Brad May was out there on a PTO. They just kind of, like, picked him up, like, the week before. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to, you know, he's there. He wants to make that team and have another year in the show. And I'm trying to make this team. So we're going around. I kind of came up to him and I was just like, Hey, Mayday, are you going to give me one tonight? Give me one. I need one, man. I need one. He goes, he goes, yeah, yeah. Sounds good, kid. I'll, uh, I need to get my legs under me. I need to get my legs under me. N next one. I'm like, okay. So um, another shift or two goes by and I came up. I was like, I was like, Mayday, are you ready? The shift you ready? And he goes, 
couple more rows. You haven't skated in a while. I'm still warming up. I'm still warming up. And he's like, legitimately, I think he just got pulled out of the summer. Didn't expect to have a, a PTO or anything. And he's literally trying to like get in shape out there. So then finally he's, uh, I think he said that three times. He's like, one more, just more. next one, Rosie. I'm, I'm getting warm. I'm getting warm. <laughs> so finally there's like a collision center ice and we end up having a scrap and it was a good spirited scrap. And, um, we both go down and then pop up and I was like, fucking right. It's like, that went fine. Like it was Brad may I got in another one, you know, that relief after a scrap where you're like, all right, like the adrenaline's dumping and you're feeling fine. And you're you're happy that, you know, the, every, all the intensity and anxiety of it did nothing went bad. So it's that wicked feeling. And then Mayday pops up and he's fat me on the head and he's going, fucking rights, kid. You keep playing like this. You're going to make that team. You're going to make it. I fucking love it. And he did that all the way to the penalty box. He's looking over and he's like, you got a chance at that squad, kid. You keep fucking going. And I was just like ready to go through a wall for this guy. For the opposing team. I know. I just, I just fought him and he's on the other team. It was just. He was, did you ever play with him? No, but he was in Toronto doing Battle of the Blades and Whoa. all that stuff. So when I when he didn't uh, after that year, he was in, I think Red uh, Detroit for a little while or something happened. But he ended up in Toronto a lot of a lot of the time, Whoa. and I'd see him out and about a lot. Yeah, because when I so when I got called up, it was uh, it was in the mid. I was watching the Leafs game. I was it, like literally watching, and someone got hurt, and I got called up like while I'm watching the game. Yeah, <laughs> and so like I kind of had to join the team, and they were playing back to back in in Long Island. So I I kind of came in. You know, and I'm fucking, it's my first NHL game and I'm just, you know, yeah. already dealing with myself at the, you know, just like, what am I doing here type mentality. So I'm just trying to be quiet, but I'm, I've literally joined the team as they're like, they get on the plane. I've never been on, you know, an NHL flight. Right. So I didn't know the, the, how awesome it is, obviously. Yeah. So I get on the plane and I'm like, you know, we're, you know, kind of, you know, I was respectful as a rookie always. So I figured, you know, we're going to, where do I sit? Probably like in a shitter or something, you know, like, you know, and I, and the Leafs are mathematically out of the playoffs. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know how the vibe's going to be or whatever. And so I ended up, you know, just at that time of the year it was in February. I ended up sitting like in the back with the, you know, veteran guys right away, just drinking wine. I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> and as the planes taken off, it was like, I don't know, you know, there's like a buffet on there at times, you know, and, and like one of those foiled kind of like what you put like in an, like lasagna in, you know, like those big foil pans, Brad may out of all people, I never met, you know, I just knew who he was. He like flattened this thing out, like as flat as it can be. And he went to the front of the plane. And as the plane's taking off, he just sat down and started sliding down going, whoa, boys. <laughs> and so he's coming down, just sledding, sledding down the plane run, you know, and I'm just sitting there like, dude, this is like the bad news bears. We were like the worst team in the league <laughs> and they were having a blast. And they, but he was someone that just always was pranking guys and like, just always, he was awesome. Just, yeah. he just had an energy that made you want to come to the rink. One of those guys, you know, like, I think we, when we had Scrooge on, um, um, you were saying that Nux, you just, you just yeah. you didn't know what he was going to say. And this yeah, you couldn't wait guys. to see him in the morning. What's he going to fucking do today? You know, what's he going <laughs> to say today? You always look forward to those funny guys in the locker room. No question. Especially if things are not going well, you know, uh, with NHL team. Um, so you, you go to Molly's, but, and I love that Berkey gave you a chance. Mm -hmm. Ber Berkey loves tough guys. Yeah, you know, and you get that opportunity to come into Toronto. I loved your fight with fucking Luchik, you know, and, and that fucking asshole, fucking uh, I, I can't say it, uh, Jack Edwards in Boston calling you know, this fucking hatchet man from the American Hockey League. Come <laughs> like fucking Luchik is not a fucking hatchet man too. So what? He scored thirty goals. I get it, but that's because no one go fucking near him. Yeah, mm -hmm. fuck any asshole could do that if no one goes near you, but. You, you know, I was impressed. I watched that fight. You fucking had a great go with him. Not a lot of guys have a fucking great go with him. And you did really well. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, there's fuck, there's just tons. I mean, I don't know, Knuckles. I mean, I had one year at 275 PIMS, and you had a decade of 300-plus, it seems like. And you know that, you know, the toughest guys with the biggest names and whatnot are not always – this guaranteed way tougher fight than some other guy that no one's ever heard of. I mean, every time yeah. you're scrapping a guy who's willing and is capable, it, you're just, you're in just as much danger as when you fight the big boys with the big name and the contracts and all that shit. Like everyone always asks me, who's the toughest guy you ever fought. And like, they're always like yeah. Lucic or McGratton or blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Those fights were, yeah, for sure. You got your hands full, but 
you want to talk about some of the meatheads in the American League that didn't oh, make it man. and how yeah. big and crazy they are and they're all on roids and they're fucking beating there their heads go. against the wall in warm up yeah. and you're like, oh my god, like, yeah, they don't have the the name that Lucic does, but there's guys that are so damn tough. It would be like I mean, shadow boxing. Seriously, <laughs> like, man, some guys are just crazy. You're like, I wonder well, if I have to fight tonight, and then you look over and the guy's like shadow boxing. You're like, I know. <laughs> People. People always ask me the same thing, Jake. Like, who's the toughest guy? I, I mean, they were all fucking tough. Not, you know, and if you ever, I always said, if I start classifying guys, putting this guy here, this guy, I'm doing myself a fucking disservice. And I, I just, every guy who does that job is tough. I don't give a fuck who it is. And and, and you nailed it with that. But I, I remember here in the Quebec League, they got that, um, that senior league here in Quebec. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Is it? Okay. Now they asked me to play in that thing when I retired. I said, Are you fucking out of your mind? I'm going to go up there for whatever, a thousand bucks a game and fucking have some muscle head fucking knock my teeth out. Oh my God. And Lyndon Byers, yeah. they called LB. He went up. He went up one fucking game and he got his nose broken he fucking got his paycheck he got in the car and he drove back to boston he said fuck that no more it's crazy but you know i, I give you a lot of credit i look at listen you fucking persevered mm-hmm. and, and and you had the drive and the will to stick with it and you, and you you got to the fucking show a lot of people never get there they don't get a sniff they don't get out of the fucking east coast hockey league they don't get to the american league yeah. and you got there you played over 100 games so that's a huge accomplishment. That being said, the fighting part for you, because, you know, people always ask me, I'm sure they ask you, how was it? Anxiety, blah, blah, blah. I was nervous before games, no question. I, I was able to walk through those, you know, the, the fear of fucking getting beat up or the fear of losing a fight because you lose a fight, you could fucking see you later. But I was able to get through those. And a lot of people, we hear different documentaries. Uh, I couldn't sleep in the I could sleep like a fucking baby the afternoon of a game, honestly. But when I woke up, I had to get out of the house. I had to get out of the hotel. I had to go right to the rink and, and start thinking, you know. How was it for you? Yeah, yeah interesting. I uh, Weirdly enough, I had, anxi- I had anxiety playing hockey. And weirdly enough, it wasn't uh, related to fighting. Um, I was the most confident with fighting. Sure, there was some afternoons where you're on your way to the wake up from your nap and go, oh, yeah, and you're putting your suit on and you get in your car driving to the rink. You know who's waiting for you, like some guy that you know goddamn well you are fighting that guy tonight. (laughs) And that's on your mind. But honestly, there's games where I knew I was no chance. No one is going to fight me tonight. There is no way I have to get into a fight tonight. And I'd have that anxiety and stuff. And it was that, that Steve Sterling shit. It was... You're not good enough. One mistake and you're done. Where's your career going? It's a contract year. Are they going to send you down? Do I have a hope in hell? Like all these different things. That's what gave me the anxiety. And um, it was kind of a struggle sometimes to the point where it was like, I wouldn't look forward to game day. And then I'd have all this guilt that I wasn't Mm. like appreciating every second that I had living my dream playing pro hockey. And there was all that going on. So I had that. I, I noticed that for sure. But for some reason, it wasn't really related to the fighting part. There wasn't any real correlation between it. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of, yeah, it is. I felt like that too towards the end. I just start crying. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, I like that. Was, that was good because I, I, you explained that really well because I felt like towards the end of my career, I was like, why do I even like hockey? Kind of, right. You know, like, and it's like, and then I was like, am I taking this for granted? And then I don't know. I, I would always be, you know, afraid to make mistakes. And I don't know. That's, that's interesting. I don't know where I'm going with that, but that was good. Um, how do you feel today? Like, is it no, like that, I feel it went like away million, right away. I feel like a million bucks. My lights are going off here. Um, I don't deal with anxiety anymore. And I didn't know what it was until many years into it into my, I played pro for like 13 years and it wasn't until the very last few that I even knew what the word anxiety was and and related it to what I was feeling and I mean I remember playing and like my legs would squeeze 
because you know how your chest gets kind of tight if yeah. you're anxious and shit some guys' chest do that and i would do that a bit but it was my legs would squeeze and i remember like i'd be in the american league and i'd be all fine feeling like a million bucks and i'd get a call on the hotel phone hello hey jay you just got called up oh that's awesome pack your shit my fucking legs just squeeze and there's this tingly squeezing feeling in my legs and i'm like it's so fucking related to what i'm feeling mentally i'd get all nerved up and I just thought it was, oh, it's just nerves. Oh, you're just nervous. And it's like, you don't play this many fucking years and still get nervous. It was just, yeah. I had this anxiety and, uh, and I realized it later. And yeah. And, and now that I'm done playing, I look back and I realize a, what it was B I'm thankful. I don't have to fucking deal with it anymore. What, Cause nothing what, what in my was life. was it exactly Jay? Sorry. What was it exactly? The anxiety, where was it coming from? Exactly. Just, just hockey. Just hockey. Yeah. Just playing yeah. hockey. Just it was like it's hockey. like I no. I'm like it was like it would be for me. It would be like ah man. If they if this game somehow got canceled, it would be awesome. Like it was like almost. Dude, it was weird. I'd have I had that, that too. I'd be in the American League and we'd blow a fucking tire on the bus and I'd be like, hopefully we don't make it to the game. Hopefully we don't make it to the game. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I saying? Like what? And I no, have, you probably know. have no idea what we're talking. Right? I don't. Like, it's yeah. I, I, it's, I just don't. I can't. I can't identify with that feeling because i just i can identify with the anxiety before a game thinking okay i'm gonna fight this fucking idiot that idiot yeah you know which isn't you know the, the weird most thing was like i would all of a sudden it, so yeah, you but, eat it you eat it and it's yeah. like the weird thing is i would go on and have like a three-point night or something and it would just be the same feeling the next day. And I, I was just know. like, what the? Dude, it, it knocks, be glad you can identify with that. I've never felt anything in my life. I can't explain it to a person. Like, say my yeah. dad or my brother have never really, they're like, well, what the hell? Like, the game went awesome yesterday. Or you already fought that guy and you kicked his ass. Or you just got a new contract. Or you don't have to deal uh -huh. with that coach anymore. And I'm like, I know. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's not rational. You think I want to feel like this? I know. But <laughs> I'll wake like, up from my nap you know. and my legs are squeezing and my fucking <laughs> chest is compressed. And I got to go fucking try to do well. And for whatever reason, it did that to me. And nothing else has done that to me since or before. And it just fucking was what it was. Well, I that's don't know good. Why. That's good. It's gone. But your, and, your and generation awesome. Nux, I don't know if you didn't talk yeah, about it. It didn't you, exist. You didn't, you no. didn't like, what the like Nux doesn't know that? what like depression is, or he's never heard of that. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, and, like, and listen, I experienced depression once. Yeah. And I was on uh, prednisone. And I came off it too fast. And I was sitting there in the living room fucking like, what the fuck is going on with me? And Jamie finally said to me, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not. Now, it was awesome for me to experience that because when I hear people talk about depression, I've been hungover before and fucked up. And, but that, I wasn't depressed. I was just fucking hungover, yeah. you know? Uh, or if I ran out of drugs or alcohol, I'm like, what? You know, I'd be depressed about that. I'm bummed out. Where am I going to get it? But real depression, no. But now that I've experienced it, yeah. Have I had anxiety before game? Yeah, like that nervous feeling. But you always had to hide it. You had to mask it. Back in that day, for sure, you couldn't show it. Yeah. You know, I saw. I said to Tim, I had you know going to Boston Garden or Philly with my teammates. I, I look around the room. Fucking guys were scared to death. Mm. I couldn't be scared. You know, they were looking for me to stand up and fucking let's go, you know, blow the bugle, carry the fucking flag and the fucking saber, you know, yeah. all of it. And I, I love that. I thrived on that. But, um, you know, it wasn't without some trepidation nights. There's no question about it. But, you know, so the, the, the Leaf experience, you play with the Leafs and then go back to Norfolk for some and you end up with the Flyers. What? What was that experience like? Because Philadelphia yeah. fucking loves a guy like Jay Rosehill. Yeah, it was. Uh, so that year with Norfolk was the lockout year. Like I played three years. The majority of it was with the Leafs. Um, and then lockout happens. And I'm like, this is my fucking prime right now. Like this is my prime yeah. earning years, playing years, um, experience years. And we're in a goddamn lockout. So I was rattled about that playing in Norfolk in the lockout. And then I was on the golf course and just got a, got a call. And, uh, it was Paul Holmgren. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I had no idea it was coming. I was trying to act like I wasn't on the golf course. I was like an hour away from my apartment. And he's like, can you get on this plane at this time? And I'm like, not a fucking chance, but I was so jacked up. And he's like, and you're coming right to the big club. And I'm like, he goes, like, I like the way you play. We need a guy like you. We want to finish the season. We're making a playoff push here. I'm like, fuck yeah. 
So I show up, um, Peter Laviolette's the coach. Um, I knew the Shen brothers mm -hmm. beforehand, um, getting to know Hartsy and, and Voracek and Giroux. We went out and partied like right when I got there at Hartsy's house and had some beers. And there's just no better way to get to, to get to shake off the like, we don't know each other tap that hey how are you yeah it, mm -hmm. it's fucking go crank some beers and then the next time you walk in the rink it's what's up buddy how are you doing and you, you're right in the mix so got to do that and um playing a bunch and it was it was a wicked experience it's the broad street bullies and um we're finishing the season they were making a push i'm playing every game uh my first game for them is in toronto where i fight colt nor and kind of put him down and then I scored the game-winning goal. It was a chintzy goal, barely even knew I tipped it. So and that's what? the game winner. Yeah, you so got to celebrate harder. Like, you got to celebrate the hardest. Of course, pointing at my back and shit, pointing at my name bar. Climbing the glass. <laughs> but so, so everything. Like just given this one, it was me. It was me. Pointing oh, at my yeah, stick. Sure. It touched. It touched. <laughs> yeah, Fuck, yeah. you got to do that, Stapes, when you don't get a lot of them. <laughs> but uh, no, so then I, I mean, my exit interview went awesome with Laviolette. He's like, dude, I like having you here. I like having you in the lineup. I can't guarantee you're going to play 12 minutes a game, but you're going to play every game. You're not going to deal with the bullshit you had in Toronto where you play a game and sit two and play three and sit five. And I was in and out of the lineup so much. And T.O., um, he goes, I want you playing every night. I know those stars love having you in there. They've told me that. I'm like, fuck yeah. We're doing contract negotiations with uh, Holmgren and my agent keeps pushing for a two year one way. And I was kind of on the fence of being that, being able to have that or whatever. And we pushed for it a little bit. And then Holmgren just went, ah, fuck it. He reminds me of me. <laughs> and I just think he's a flyer. And I, he told my agent that and said, let's do That's two awesome. years. So I was like, fuck yeah. And That's great. I was just pumped. I went and had a wicked season of training, went back to training camp, was ready to rock and roll. And Ed Snyder, the owner of the Flyers, had been getting over cancer, and he was, like, really impatient to have another cup win before the end of his life. And I remember he was so impatient, and he fired Peter Laviolette three games into the season. And Lavi was, like, my ticket, man. He, he loved me, was playing me, and I was kind of worried about that. And they brought in Chief, Craig Berube. And I was like, okay, a guy that played my style, and I, that's a good guy to have. He's not going to hate me or anything. And um, I love Chief. He's awesome. I, I, he just didn't play me. I only played about 35 games that year, and I wish I played more and kind of was able to really take the next step in the NHL, but didn't work some more. Felt that way, but, I mean, that was nice being in, in Philly, where I was a little bit more experienced. I had, you know, under my belt, and I could I was a little more mature and older, and I could enjoy it a little bit more, and it was it was a blast playing for both those organizations. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's RAWNUX, R-A-W-K-N-U-X. You end up playing it out in Lehigh Valley for a couple of years. Where do you live now, Jake? So I live in Olds, Alberta. And You're back home yeah, in Olds? where I grew up. Uh, and good I, for you. I like it there. It's... I don't know, like Stapes after we were talking before we got together and Knuckles, when you were done playing what it was like, but I know a lot of guys that struggled after hockey oh. and like, fuck, yeah. if you like, if you're a guy that like moves away from home when you're 14 years old and you're always playing hockey, 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 and then say you play in Columbus and you marry a girl in Columbus and then it's like, oh, well, I don't get another contract. Well, I'm retired now. Well, let's buy this house in Columbus with your family is, honey. And, <laughs> and you're just done. You're never on a team again. You're never on the boys. You don't have a core group of dudes. I can see how those guys fucking struggle, get depressed, hit the bottle too hard, all that stuff. <laughs> no question. Easy to do. Um, yeah. But I was lucky where I played junior in this town. So I went to high school with my buddies that I'm lifelong friends with. All my family lives here. I get to go off and play hockey, and I always knew where I wanted to settle down. So when I came back, I already had this huge system 
in place where I just stepped back into my life in olds and I didn't have to struggle with leaving hockey really at all and feel fortunate that way because I know how tough it can be for some guys just quitting cold turkey and kind of looking around and having not a whole lot to hang your hat on as far as roots. Jay, awesome you brought that up. You know, a lot of people don't bring stuff like that up and it's so fucking true. Like guys do struggle and you know, they talk about the league transitioning out. They're going to help players. They don't give a shit. When you're done, you're fucking done. You're a piece of meat. You know, I never realized that more um, until after I retired. You know, when I when hockey was over, I just realized it, you know. That's I'm all. still yeah. like kind of, you know, <laughs> like I start crying again. You know, this is a really emotional <laughs> episode. No, I, I, I think it's great that, yeah, you brought that up. Cause yeah. And I can tell you, like, at times, I'm like, am I the only, am I going crazy here? Am I the only one that feels like this? Where it's just like, do I, is there anything else I can do out there? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know, you know, what, and where I struggled, and I still kind of struggle a little bit, is that structure. I think, you know, when we're playing, it's like, hey, take a piss at 8 o'clock, video at 8.30, this at 9, and then, yeah. you know, Here's when your I got mail done, money. Here's your mail yeah, money. Yeah, and then it's like, I got done, it's like, you know, I got to create that, that, um, that structure. And I just, I don't know, it's hard. And then you just like, I do, I, you know, you're questioning yourself. Like, what do I do? How many years you've been retired Stapes? 2018. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Like what, when you're playing in Russia, like I avoided not, I'm not saying I could have gone, I don't know. I just didn't even want to sniff around Russia because of the stories I heard, but like you only got another one other guy that can speak English on your team. And like, did you have that sense of the boys and the team and where are we going for dinner? So we talked about anxiety to start. Like now we're going to talk about depression. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, No, I, you're right. That's a good question. I was, uh, yeah. I mean, you did have, you'd grab the one import. I mean, I got, I don't know the first year we were, I was on a team that was outside of Russia. So you're allowed 10 imports. It was like playing like in an AHL team inside of Russia you kind of just go where the Russians go and let them speak Russian. You know what I mean? Like you just try to, you just tag along and yeah. like once in a while they're like, blah, 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 stay put in. Ah, they're laughing. You're like, I know you guys are fucking laughing at me. Like, you know, but there's, there's nothing you can do, you know? So it was uh yeah, unless you get lucky. I think the one year I had um, like Chris Bork and, a, and another American yeah. and we, you know, you kind of just stick together, just like no different than, you know, if you get two Czech guys, like they're always together, right? Like yeah. when they play. So it's kind of like that. And then you, know? you must've felt really secure when you realized you had a North American coach and Mike Keenan. Oh God. Yeah. Talk <laughs> no. about that. What a that, hot that, shit, uh, huh? Yeah. Whoever that <laughs> Sterling guy, him and Keenan, <laughs> Sterling was probably best man at Keenan's wedding. That sounds, <laughs> you know, Fuck, he's legendary for being a piece of shit, isn't he? Oh, I'm telling you, we had him on though. He was awesome, right, Tim? He was. Yeah, we had him on. He was really good. It was like I was facing my bully, and I was like, "Man, this guy's awesome." I (laughs) bet he's a good guy, and you'd love to have a beer with him, but you just don't want him to fucking coach you. Yeah, a lot of guys didn't want him to cry. I heard some stories. Oh, oh yeah, I just you know he was really good at that. I mean, so yeah, but speaking of like. Did, so what do you prefer doing, fighting or scoring a goal? Oh. And how was scoring your first goal? My first? Oh, we lo- yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 not Nux. Nux has got a hundred. So I don't need to go through <laughs> I want to know about your, your first. Well, I say I have, when people ask or whatever, I say I have five and a half because every, every little <laughs> bit counts and the halfers because one got disallowed, which I'm not totally fucking thrilled about. So I, I got to give myself something for that. But uh, the first one... Um, was against it was my third game in the show so it's cool to score early because I mean I never it wasn't like oh I gotta score soon here or anything you know you, you got a job to do and you kind of do that and but it was against the Penguins Marc-Andre Fleury they'd won the cup the year before and uh, oh. a good buddy of mine was going to school in the states and he drove up to watch my uh, third game and uh, I, I just snuck in behind the D-man and got a dish from Jamal Myers and just kind of banged it home and I mean uh, the Sally I'm doing after is like this fucking genuinely like <laughs> that just happened Sally. So uh, I remember, I remember getting off the ice for my first shift, sitting down going, that's it. I've done it. Like, that's it. You can't forever and ever. I've played in the show. You can't take it away from me. And I mean, I wanted that and chased that for so goddamn long and was so horse blinders on just that, 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 yeah. that. And then you did it. And then it was like, Whoa, it's, there was an adjustment period of like, I got to set new goals and stuff. Cause I, yeah. I've 
freaking did and, that. And then and the next shift, you were like, don't turn the puck over. Don't turn the puck 100%. over. <laughs> there, was, it was, uh, there was no lack of uh, things I needed to do out there. But um, yeah, then banged one home early. So that was pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, just so many things happened. I mean, could things have gone better? X, Y, Z, you can sit there and pick apart. Well, if this coach didn't get fired and if I would have mm-hmm. if I would have got this contract or the fucking all day long, well, anyone could say that. Or you could say, man, if this didn't happen, you know, if I didn't get traded to Philly, if I didn't have Brian Burke there, if I didn't blah, blah, blah. You look at all the positive things and the things that went well and fuck, there's lots to be thankful for and appreciate. And yeah, I, again, being retired and, and being able to look back with perspective, it's nice just to go, you know what, it, uh, you couldn't be happier. You're thankful it went that way. And now you're thankful you're happy doing what you're doing now. And just, you got to appreciate just anything you get in that league is a fucking blessing, man. Cause it's not easy for some guys to get there. It's not easy too in the minors and knocks too. Like, as you know, probably it's just like, you're down there with a lot of guys who are like, Oh, the world, I got fucked. Right. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of guys. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's yeah. easy to get into that. Just be like, Oh, you know, I'm getting screwed over when it's like, man, you know, you got called up and you played fourth line and you hated it. And, you know, we already got Patrick Kane or whatever. Like, they're not going to put you on the power play. So do what you're supposed to do on a fourth line. But a lot of guys would be like, you know, they didn't want to do that. So you're right. It's just uh, those opportunities. It, it does, you know, we like you said, the what ifs. But, you know, things happen for a reason. And was it better to score a goal? What was a better feeling? Uh, home in Toronto scoring or home in Philly scoring? um probably home in toronto it was you just really? can't you can't beat that market um getting in a fight at center ice in philly is probably better um <laughs> and scoring in toronto is probably better but i mean you know like when i got traded to toronto Staves, and you were on the marlies and i, I got traded there said hey do you what's up and we're chatting and catching up and i'm like you just got a game didn't you like you've played in the show now and i was like chatting you about that and you're like dude I got thrown in. Fucking, <laughs> this is how I talk. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> I uh, get in the shootout. They, they pick me. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. So I just have a move in my head. I fucking pull it off, and the fucking whole place goes nuts. And, I mean, I couldn't even buy dinner the next fucking week because everyone's jerking me off. Like, <laughs> That's about how you'd say it. But legit, man, you go and you do one thing in that market, and you're just this fucking dude now, this story. And you got to do that your first NHL game, and – was that your first NHL game? You buried the the shootout winner. The shootout winner, yeah. And I, I've always wondered what I sounded like. Apparently, I sound like a complete asshole. So sorry, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, um, no, that that happened. Yeah, and I, it's funny you say that because I like it was like I don't know. I was up for three games, and and that all happened. And it was like I, you know, I ended up scoring the next night in Toronto. I didn't, you know, it was kind of a shitty goal. But regardless, I got sent back down before the trade deadline. Like, hey, we gotta get you down before the deadline and then like they just never called me back up but i didn't really take that all in until i got back and had some time and you know it happened so fast and then i i had that feeling too of like wow i can't believe that just happened and i got to do that and it's pretty good feeling for sure totally yeah so i i gotta ask you about your time in uh the uk and i went over there in retirement with Bob Probert and a kid who played from, I forget the kid's name. He's from Toronto and he played in that league over there and he wanted to bring some ex NHLers over and play in some of the different markets. We went to Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, we went to, uh, uh, Nottingham, Manchester, Cardiff, 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 and we went to, um, Manchester, geez, maybe was it? Yeah, uh, uh, Glasgow. Glasgow, went, yeah. Went to Glasgow, Cardiff. Uh, anyway, we played around. People were nuts about hockey. They love the fighting, obviously. Um, but you, you played in Manchester. You played with the Bray, Brayhead clan. Was that, was that Glasgow? Right? That was Glasgow, yeah, you bet. Yeah, good experience. I love going over there. It was awesome to go around and see that, experience it. How was it to live there, especially being a hockey player in, in a place like Manchester? Hello? Manchester United, yeah. Manchester City, mm-hmm. being a hockey player, playing in city, you must feel like, uh, hello, all these soccer players. It's so huge, soccer over there. It's huge. What was that sure. like for you? You joined, like, the hooligans. He was part of the hooligans, <laughs> just fighting hooligan. in the woods and shit. I was throwing Molotov <laughs> cocktails at the fucking other side. <laughs> no, but um, so how it all came about was I was – 
it was later in the season. I was going <laughs> to sign with Phoenix, and I think Chayka was like a 28-year-old GM for the Phoenix Coyotes, and and they my agent was working with them. They offered me a contract. It was a two-way deal. I was probably going to go to Tucson. Um, he said, take the weekend and think about it and let me know your answer on this offer. So that weekend, I'm talking to my wife. I'm looking at places near golf courses and shit in Tucson. I'm looking at their depth chart, saying, is there a chance to get up with the Coyotes at all? And blah, 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 blah. So then we decide, let's do it. On Monday, he calls Chayka and he's like, oh, who? Yeah, oh, sh- no, sorry. We gave that we gave that contract away. We stayed in house with that one. We stayed in house. <laughs> and my agent's like, you fucking offered us a contract three days ago. Like it was the most unprofessional thing he, we'd either we'd ever seen. So then he's just like, yeah, sorry. End of story. So now I'm just standing nice there feeling like I just got my dick in my hand. I've got, I'm starting at square one. Like this is not. And then I get some calls from uh, overseas. And the one guy that called me, Ryan Finnerty is from Alberta. He was running, uh, coaching the team and everything in, in Glasgow. And he goes, come on over here. He goes, you can fight as much as you want, or you can fight zero times. I do not care. I'm going to play you a regular shift in the top six. I want you net front on the power play. I want you killing penalties, and I need you to wear a letter for me and be the captain and and whatever else. And I was like, fuck, does that ever sound like a nice change of pace? Power play. Yes. You had to look up power play. What's the definition of power play? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what happened first first game on the power play. I should tell you what happened after that. Did the the anxiety go away? Um, It did for a while, and then it came back back and it was still there and I, I remember that's what oh, it was God. for me saying I don't have to fight anyone here I have everything by the tail here and I still have this stupid fucking shitty feeling about just expectations with hockey and blah 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 and when hope oh yeah it's just still is there oddly enough and uh but no I got there and I mean fuck I'm a golf fanatic so I mean you've got oh. the whole open rotation there the British Open the Open Championship yeah. obviously and everything about the history of the game I like so I was like that'll be cool and I've got a family now I'm going to pack up and go over there and have an experience and start off in Scotland it it went really good we have like 14 Canadians on the team and then all the British guys are fucking beauties too so it was just awesome to play like that play free have a coach in my corner it was definitely nice um learning a lot about living abroad and then finnerty the next year moved to manchester and he there was three or four of us on the team he said i want you guys to come with me so we went down with him and and then lived in manchester and you know my kid started primary school there and he's literally wearing the british um school uniform it was hilarious with a tie and everything and he had an accent and he was talking yeah can we go to the park and throw it in the bin and i'm like this is fucking hilarious so it was just we gotta move home seriously he lost it two weeks after coming home he lost it but it was hilarious he's like hey uh, jag off like he's just like now he's talking like a redneck like me apparently like me anyways go ahead but no good experience man it was fun i mean we got to go to manchester city games and go to man united games and i got to play st andrews and carnoustie and turnberry and fucking go up to the highlands and i went over to dublin and and uh went saw ireland and it was it was a wicked experience and then i got to decide on that last year in manchester it was like christmas and i'm just getting tired and i'm noticing that my body's kind of not what it used to be and my goal is like what am i playing for just a paycheck now and I just was getting tired out and this feeling kept creeping in. And I remember I got in a fight and my adrenaline didn't spike. And I was just kind of like nonchalantly fighting. And I was like, whoa, that's never happened before. And it just around Christmas, I was like talking to my wife and I'm like, do you want this to be the last fucking year? Cause I could call this my last year and, and be okay with it. And, and she was like, totally up to you. And I just decided like around January, February, that this is my last year. I'm, I'm not playing next year. And it was on my terms and a coach didn't tell me I couldn't play and I didn't get cut from a team and I didn't just sit around and not get a contract. I didn't get injured. I didn't have COVID ruin my fucking last year. Like it was all just good, man. And I could quit on my own terms and, and retire. And I knew it was my last game. And I had another guy on my team, Dane Byers, who very similar career to mine. He was in the same boat and he did this good term and I'm happy with him thing. And was, he's like, I'm not playing next year. This is it for me. And I'm enjoying every second of it. So it was cool to go out on that foot and i got to finish up over there on like a good and nice to have no rest or not be bitter about anything yeah, yeah. you went on yeah you went on your own term god bless you that's I awesome was gonna say, awesome to hear 
It is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, you and Barry Sanders went out on your own terms. <laughs> you don't even know who he is. You you got that Canadian football he's Canadian. shit. Yeah, yeah, he's got that bullshit. Um, you guys. No, I was just going to ask you, like, do you think that anxiety, like, do you think, I know today's times are different and, like, you know, there's more access to, like, you know, talking. Do you think that could have been, like, prevented or, like, there's probably players today that have it, you know? I know there is. Like, what, what would you? Yeah, Probably. so so no, I know. Yes, there is. So like, what Half do you think week. you could have? Like, how do you deal with it? You got to talk about it. But it's it, I weird guess, because right? back in the day when nobody fucking talked about it, it didn't seem to be as prevalent. And now that there's fucking everyone and their dog is willing to everyone hold your hand it. if you yeah. need it, it's so prevalent. I mean, I yeah. kind of blame phones and social media. I mean, kids are as fucked up now as yeah. they've ever yep. been. Don't try to fucking prove me wrong on that. They they have more mental shit going on right now <laughs> and with kids than ever. And yeah. I blame social media and stuff, but now they're more aware of it and we talk about it more, but it's more prevalent than ever. So I don't know what the correlation is, but definitely like if you've got something that's legit in your head, uh, like I honestly just thought like my brain won't let me be rational. Yeah. I know everything's good. I know, yep. I know last night went fine. I know I can beat this guy up. I know the coach is in my corner. It didn't matter. You'd still have that shitty feeling like there's an imbalance going on in certain situations where your brain won't give you what you fucking need to, to be what you what you normally are. And if that's the case, you need to go sort it out and talk to somebody. And I think that where I think the NHL is lacking right now, I mean, I've seen a hundred thousand dollar treadmills. I've seen hyperbaric chambers. There's nutritionists and strength guys and fucking every, they'll employ everyone in their dog. They'll buy any piece of equipment to tell their team that I've given you every opportunity to be successful. And it's always around the physicality of it, you know, of what can we give these players to win a Stanley cup? And it's always physical. And everyone has said for their whole life, you know, throughout all of hockey, hockey's 90% mental, 10% physical. And I mean, that's an exaggeration, obviously, but everyone says that and knows what it means. And it's like, if that's what the case is, why is there no fucking emphasis on the mental side of the game in the NHL? Like you're buying a hundred thousand dollar fucking treadmill that collects dots that you zip your fucking <laughs> self up into that I've never seen anyone even remotely fucking look at, but you're not going to get like a, you know, have an open fucking form to a independent third party. I don't know. Maybe if a fucking psychologist or something would help you. I, I, I've only talked to those people a handful of times when I was in Toronto. It was super helpful. I should have used it more. And it just wasn't, it's kind of available, but it's not. And it's like, if you want to win and you got all these millennial and Gen Z kids coming up and you know how hard they are to fucking coach nowadays. They go into their yeah. shell if you fucking yell at them once. They're not as fucking pace with these guys. And you're oh. as strong as, you know, mentally as what the guys in the past were my generation. And then even more so your generation and everyone thinks oh, the yeah. generation before them is softer, but it's probably because they are. Why aren't teams inve investing tons of fucking money and getting these guys' mental strength up there because it would be so beneficial, but I think they're kind of behind the times on that. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.